This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler Atkins. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast. It's brought to you by Twin Peaks. Tyler, Aki, Shane, New Orleans. We talk college football with you every single Saturday on ESPN 1000. And we get you a recap every single Monday or Tuesday, like today, because of the Labor Day holiday. And we had yes, games sir. on Monday as well. We'll recap everything that we saw the, Good week, show, Clemson. Weekend, the weekend prior. Yes, that was... Oh, the end is here. <laughs> oh we have met the end. God. We'll get to that in just a little bit. The Clemson Tigers have a lot of things that they need to clean up. Um, but I think the story of college football resides in what took place between Colorado and TCU. We'll get to that in just a second. But we will be out and about oh, yeah. this Saturday, September 9th, at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park with our friends at Deep Eddie. Cannot wait for that. Going to be a lot of fun hanging out, watching college football with people. It's the Iowa-Iowa State game is going to be a big one. Um, and we'll be drinking Deep Eddie with the people out there from 1.30 to 3.30 at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. Hang out with us. Watch some college football. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I'm not going to hide from the people. I'll take photos. I'll have conversations with you. Whatever you want to do. I'm not going to hide from the people. That's the most sheepish I'm ready I've heard to you. engage. This is the most sheepish I've heard you sound when you're like, oh, I'm going to be there with the people. You know what? Come on. You, you're about to unload your can of whoop-ass on Deion Sanders in a little bit. Well. And, and, and on Davo Sweeney. Really. And all that. But you're, uh, but oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hide from the people. Shay will be there. Shay will shake your hand. He will shake it in my boots. <laughs> he, he will take a picture with you. He may even kiss your baby. If oh, you bring your oh baby. I thought you were going to stop after you. I was, I'm <laughs> not going to kiss you. Baby, sure. But yeah, so Shay will be there. A rare appearance for Mr. Football out That's in the right. wild. Ruining my set. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, I'm happy to be there. All right, let's get into the action that we saw over the weekend and everything that took place with a 20-and-a-half-point underdog, Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffalo team, going into TCU and taking care of business. And that was one of the most hyped-up games of the week. And not only did it live up to the hype, it by far exceeded it. The back-and-forth that we saw between Colorado and TCU, punch, counterpunch, all game long. Um, myself, Adam Abdallah, I think you were in on the fun as well. We got in on a little TCU minus three and a half. Oops. I've never seen that green dot go green. It looked like a stoplight going green, red, green, red the entire time. Oops. Yeah, I shouldn't have bet that. <laughs> Colorado just hangs on and wins. You know, do you remember back, go back in time to Saturday on the show on the air mm-hmm. on ESPN 1000, the Saturday morning show? And we talked a little bit about this game. Yes, and I we did. I've never been kicking myself more than I was on Saturday because I said to you, I think Colorado can win this game. And I didn't bet it. I Why didn't I bet it? I have no idea. But, Tyler, where are you at with this team? Because I think they have. we're losing cabin pressure. The <laughs> extent to which Colorado has become overrated is unbelievable. I'm with you, I think. Now, here's one thing I will say. And – amazing performance by Shadur Sanders. He sets the program record in passing yards. Travis Hunter has all of a sudden become football Otani, right? Like what yep. he's done, he he had over 100 yards receiving. He had a pick in the goal line. He made a couple big pass breakups throughout the course of the game. Yep. He was a stud. He's everything as advertised and is going to be must-watch. It almost reminds me of Otani in the sense of he is a superstar, something we really have never seen before on a terrible team. You know what else he did? <laughs> he played 130 snaps. 
I would like to see him do that again next week. Yes. Like that's awesome. It was incredible to see in the first game, but 130 snaps, your legs are going to die. Like you yeah, just, over the you course, can't do it. Yeah. Over the course. Yeah. Not just that, but it probably gets to a point where it hurts your team yeah. down the stretch. And especially when you get late in third and, and fourth quarters too, it, you're going to hit a breaking point. I think when you get into week seven, week eight and beyond, it's tough. And, um, but that's not to take away anything that he's done because what he did in week one yeah, was, it was incredible. And he's an amazing player. Shadur Sanders, I think, is just a fine quarterback. Travis Hunter is a legitimately amazing player. What I would say yesterday, I did some listening nationally because while we had Labor Day off nationally, the content train go goes on. Everybody's sucking Colorado. I mean, these people, you can't get enough of Colorado's incredible. They blew out TCU. I feel incredibly qualified to speak on this because I told you Colorado could beat TCU. I told you they could win the game. And the look on your face when I said it was like I I had said the most surprising thing you'd ever heard. You'd look like you'd seen a ghost when I told you I thought Colorado could win. And then they go out and they win. Here's the dirty secret on TCU. They fucking suck. They're horrible. And one, they play no defense. You let Colorado well, put, to Colorado, put really. 40 plus on you. That's the other thing. This is a TCU offense with a new coordinator, a new quarterback, a new offensive line. Their top receiver from a year ago is in the NFL. They lost nine starters. They lost 16 starters overall. They're replacing everybody. And they popped Colorado for 40 fucking points. And we got to act like this Colorado team was amazing i think we've lost it a little bit nebraska next weekend might be the empty the pocketbook kill your bookie play of the fucking year we are one and oh on those by the way we gave out uh miami as our empty the clip play of the year last last week our empty the clip plays are undefeated (laughs) nebraska plus three against colorado 97 percent of the bets i saw are on colorado this is the time to sell the Colorado hype. Nebraska, to me, it is the ultimate buy low spot. I think the Colorado hype is is reaching a level that is, frankly, unacceptable. It, and it's I'm becoming anti Dion. I might be anti fun because it's not his can't fault. Can't be anti like it's not his fault. But the media is running away with this. The only reason is because TCU had a fake 17 hung against their name. Here's That's what the I'll, only reason. Here's what I'll say about Colorado, all right? They're going to be an unbelievably entertaining bad team this year. Yeah. Like, you're going to get into more games like this, but you're going to find yourself on the losing end of a lot of those games still. Yeah. Because the defense, it had its moments. It had some red zone stops. That's not sustainable. Stopping teams in the red zone like they did. I, I look at what Colorado can be, though, this year. They're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a team that can routinely put up 35 points because of the personnel that they have at quarterback and at receiver. Like there is going to be fun games involving Colorado, but I still think we're going to see them on the losing end of a lot of these fun games because like, here's why the defense just is not going to be able to keep up. And we talked about this a little bit with USC. USC is just a much further upgraded version of Colorado. It feels like when you talk about the talents that it has um, and the ability to put up points, but they're not going to play defense on the back end for you. Offensively, I think one of the most underrated hires of the entire offseason cycle was one that Dion made, and it was Sean Lewis bringing him in as the offensive coordinator, plucking him from Kent State, okay. where he was a head coach. 
He was a head coach at a Mac school, and he makes the jump to an offensive coordinator in the pack. I don't even know. Is that a jump? <laughs> Colorado like, from Kent State to Colorado. It's probably a lateral move. Right. Like, like, but he makes the move to go be the OC at Colorado to go work for Deion Sanders. And Sean Lewis is a guy that I I was I covered him when I was in college when he was at Syracuse as the offensive coordinator. Syracuse sucked, but those offenses popped. Lightchance. And it did not matter who was at quarterback. Backup quarterbacks came in and threw for 400 yards. Zach Mahoney, I remember, pride of Lions Township High School, <laughs> came in, threw for 440 yards, accounted for seven touchdowns and yeah. one interception against Pitt in the finale in the highest scoring regular season game of all time in college football history. This is great work by you. It doesn't matter because he is going to be able to put anyone out there and make them look great. And he had high-flying offenses at Bowling Green, at Syracuse. Like, he is an offensive mastermind, and is he's going to be a head coach in the Power Five as a result of what, the job that he does at Colorado. I still need to see it against a real defense. I do, too. Like, I, I keep seeing on social media, we kept saying we had to see what Colorado can do against a good team. They go and pummel TCU, and I still don't want to give them their flowers. The problem is I think TCU is absolute garbage. Fall off the cliff. Cars exploded, airbags go off, everybody's dead, bad. Like, national title last year, so they get the 17 hung next to their logo, but I think that this is, like, maybe one of the three worst programs in the Big in the Big 12 this year. It's tough because you bring in Houston and Cincinnati and UCF, and what are those teams? Cincinnati, I think, is dog shit, but TCU is in that grouping. Like, they're a potential 3-9 and nine awful team, Nebraska plays a little defense. I'm still waiting. Like, I'm not sold on Colorado. Everybody's playing the Dion speeches. I'm not ready to do it. Mm-hmm. I think- well, you're going to get called out because he's got the, the receipts. You're going to get called out. This is going to be up, uh, uh, in the, hold on. up in the video board, up in the Colorado locker rooms let me, now. Let me say a message to Dion Sanders. <laughs> Dion, please repurpose my audio and use it on the scoreboard at Colorado. It would be the best thing you could do for my career. I'll say this very clearly. Three two one Colorado is going to lose to Nebraska in week two you are going to lose to Nebraska the Colorado Buffaloes will lose to Nebraska in week two that's my message to Deion Sanders all right so I mean you look at the way the Colorado schedule sets up too because all right there's the Nebraska game the the home opener for the Deion Sanders era. That game is going to be a route. It's going to be a cool atmosphere, at least to witness, too. That's oh, yeah. going to be the uh, the big nooner, too, out in Colorado. Then you follow that up with Colorado State. Should be able to take care of the business there. Then after that, you open Pac-12 play at Oregon and then home against USC. That is going to be, I think, the punch in the mouth that really kind of tempers the expectations on what Colorado is. Yeah, once they start playing the meat of the Big 12 schedule or the Pac-12 schedule, yeah, you're going to go up against some real teams and you're going to realize you're still not even close to the top of this conference. I agree. But I also think it could happen earlier than that because we've just reached insane levels of hype. Yeah. Again, my final stance on Colorado, they're going to be an extremely entertaining bad team. They're high-flying offense, bad team. They're going to be the best three-win team you've ever watched. Yeah, they could. Normally, you watch a three-win team in college football, and it is what Michigan State was on on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But you can watch this Colorado team and enjoy the shit out of the three wins that they get. 
Yes, I'm, I'm right there with you. All right, uh, let's move on to the highest profile game of the weekend, and that was Florida State putting a drubbing in the second half on LSU, 45-17, your final. People are 45-24, I should say, late touchdown by LSU. People uh, kind of forgot that LSU led this game at halftime, yes, 17-14. Um, but just some untimely uh, offensive stands in the goal in the, the, the red zone. Like there was a lot of wackiness in this game, really sloppy football, quite frankly, early on. Yeah. I think it was pretty sloppy across the board in a lot of games early on uh, in week one. You'd expect that. But Florida State really like we pumped up Florida State's tires in the, the preseason in our yep. previews. But they kind of put everyone on notice. And if you told me that Florida State, like if you were filling out your AP ballot here on this Tuesday morning, and I think we'll get the polls in a little bit. If you were filling out the ballot and you put Florida State number one right now, I would have no issues with that. I would have said, like, I kind of think that when the ballot comes out or when the poll comes out, they're going to be three or four. I how, would, many, how many first place votes do you think they get? Do you think they get like three first place votes? Three sounds right because I think any that Ohio State had last week are gone mm-hmm. after what Ohio State looked like against Indiana. That was, I don't know how much of that game you watched. I did. That Start was, to finish. That was brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was maybe the worst I've seen an Ohio State offense ever look. I, I want to run through, we'll do this in a little bit, all the intriguing quarterbacks for this year and kind of take a little stock report of them. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of fascinating quarterback turbulence that we're experiencing. Uh, I just am looking at the odds for the national title. Florida State, I have them 20 to 1. They were 20 to 1 preseason, 11 to 1 though. Yep. Fourth best or fifth best odds behind Ohio State, Michigan. Those two will cannibalize. So you're basically looking at a team that's got the third or fourth fourth best odds to win. I want to get your perspective on this because I have I look at this two ways. One, I think Florida State's a wagon. They went out and beat the brakes off of LSU in the second and, half. Yeah, and did not play a good first half. Yeah, but they came out in that second half poised. They beat the shit out of that LSU team. I think Florida State's an absolute wagon when you juxtapose it with what happened last night in Durham to Clemson. Mm-hmm. There is nobody in the floor in the uh ACC in Florida State's stratosphere. Nope. There's nobody close. Um I also think people are being way too quick to write off LSU. I'm with you. You go into that game, your best defensive tackle is suspended. All of the depth in your def- in your secondary is injured. Like they brought in the J.K. Johnson, the transfer from Ohio State. He didn't play. He was hurt. You had the Greg, what's his name, the uh, Greg Bishop, I think, Greg Brooks, something like that. In the in one of the safeties who was hurt couldn't play. They had their starters, Deuce Chestnut, who mm-hmm. had a memorable moment for you. Um, but the, beyond the starters, the depth just wasn't there. I feel like it was a bad spot. LSU going to Florida. And neutral site, but semi-neutral site. Bad spot going to Florida. Week one. I think everybody's riding off LSU too fast. Florida State's just insane. This might be the buy-low point of the year for LSU. If you are going to get into the futures market here. Yep. I think both you and I, were you in on them preseason? Did you place your wager on them preseason? I didn't put a bet on LSU. I had Florida State and USC. Okay. But now would be the time to buy into it because Brian Kelly's sitting here on a Tuesday morning with egg on his face. But quite frankly, like you were a team that you had the injuries. You also had a, uh, an injured running back as well. Like there were key pieces that were out of this yep. game. And 
let's call it what it is. That was a road game for them. If yep. they're going to call it a neutral site, that was a road game for them. And there is no shame in losing to the number eight team, even though it was a three touchdown game. There is no shame in losing to the number eight team in the country on their, not their home field, but it may as well have been their home environment. In a team that frankly was underranked. Yeah. And like this morning, I was just checking, you can get LSU 35 to one to win the national title. Kind of like now, it. You got to get in bed with a one loss team, but it's a one loss team that could win the SEC. And if we saw anything about the SEC that got its ass kicked by the ACC over the weekend, might not be the SEC we're used to. Right. Like, I don't. Georgia, very unimpressive in that first half with Carson Beck, with a new offense. Alabama, you played Middle Tennessee State. Like, at least LSU yeah. went out and played somebody. I always think you do gain a little bit when you play these types of games. Alabama will play Texas this weekend. It's the same deal. But you do gain something, even if you lose. Just in playing this type of game, you get the experience of going on the road in an environment like that, playing a real team. Now you get your cupcakes, get your ducks in a row for conference play. I think this is a team that could still win the SEC. On the Florida State side of things, uh, you want a little Keon Coleman minute here? I just don't understand. Like, I kept saying this to you. We were watching the game together at the bar, and I kept saying it to you. It One, could he win the Heisman? Is there a world? I think there's too many good quarterbacks. There's so many, but three three touchdowns in the first game is a great way to start. Like if he oh, has, yeah, for sure. If he has three or four more multiple touchdown games and puts together a Devontae Smith type of season, could he get invited to New York? Can I get you an invite to New York? I think his quarterback will get there before him. Okay, because his quarterback had preseason Heisman hype. If he's playing well means the quarterback's probably playing pretty yeah. well. And quite frankly, you have to be on the national championship caliber team if you want to be a wide receiver going there. Yeah. And Jordan Travis, I think, is going to be a big reason that That's he's going to at least be in lockstep with him, and the advantage always goes quarterback. That's fair. I, I get visions of Mac Jones sitting next to Devontae <laughs> Smith in New York. Maybe we see that again. I think Jordan Travis is a little better of a college quarterback than um, Mac. The other thing with Keon Coleman, I just I saw the clip when he's waving at Jordan Travis and pointing at the corner guarding him and just straight up going, this guy can't guard me. And Jordan Travis throws the 50-50 ball that Coleman just goes up and gets. Uh, the other thing I kept talking about with you, as a Michigan State fan, this game was targeted harassment. <laughs> this game was uh, – Tyler – we had game audio on at the bar. Every time this motherfucker caught a pass, somebody on the broadcast, the former Michigan State Spartan, you know, Michigan State let him get away the last day of portal eligibility. Enough. Leave me alone. Leave me out of this. But it was it, hilarious to watch because it was myself, uh, our friend Mitch, your dad was there. Your dad, dad watched you you agonize over yep. this. Adam Abdallah was there as well. I mean, it was Everyone saw the meltdown of Shea every time Michigan State had to get a mention. Well, the problem is, and it again, I know I'm spending too much time on this program, on this podcast, because nobody cares. But it is my, it's my school, man. It's my team. It, it again highlights where the, where we are now, from 11 wins and looking like you're on the uphill to last day of fall ball. Peyton Thorne transfers out goes and surprisingly wins the job at Auburn. They look good in a win. And then Keon Coleman leaves the program, goes to Florida State. First game out, three touchdowns. And it's like, how are you letting these guys walk away? It just, it bothered the shit out of me in the moment. 
I felt like I was being personally attacked by the ABC broadcast. Uh, Herbie just killing me. Killing me. The former Spartan every time. Enough. He's 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 a knoll now. It was uh yeah, it was a rough one. But I will say what a brilliant decision by him. Because watching <laughs> Noah Kim play on Friday night, oh my god, Key and Coleman would be beating his quarterbacks to death if he were still in Michigan State. He's gotta be living the dream with Jordan Travis. All right, let's hang in the ACC here. This was last night's game. Duke really dominates Clemson 28 to 7. The only seven Clemson points came off of a muffed punt that set yep. him up inside the red zone. You kind of just fell ass backwards into that seven points there. Uh, really, really good performance by Duke. But I think you look at this game and say, Clemson's just bad. A top 10 team that just fell flat on its face. And it really, it, there's no way around it. The program. Where it is right now is not even close to the championship caliber it was. And I know a lot of people are going to point to the quarterback, and the quarterback does deserve some blame, but the lack of attention to recruiting on the outside and the receivers, the skill position players are at an all-time bad on this program. Yeah, that's everybody's talking about Garrett Riley, too. You bring in Garrett Riley, Mm -hmm. you place Tony Elliott, you get all this new offense in place. That's been the complaint, right? And you look at what happened with Oregon State. I can't get DJ Uyangalele's five touchdowns out of my head when I then watch Clemson. And we talked about this a little bit. Was it the quarterback or was it the program? Looking a lot like it was the program because you've got another kid who was a top two quarterback in his class, balled in high school, recruited super highly, now at Clemson and sucks. I mean, he's throwing interceptions left and right. He's fumbling in the red zone. Like, did Cle- did Duke dominate Clemson or did Clemson dominate themselves? You get five red zone trips and you and end you, with seven points? It was a lot of self-inflicted stuff. It wasn't like guys were getting blown up on those fumbles inside the goal line. They were mesh point errors by Klubnik and by the different running backs that were cycled in there. Like, it was self-inflicted harm. In the red zone. And another thing, and I, I, I wonder, because if you remember, last offseason, there was a lot of talk from Clemson boosters that they were sick of Dabo's shit. That the whole thing with the anti-NIL stance, they'd had enough. Not taking transfers, they'd had enough. I will bet you Clemson takes transfers next offseason. They don't and, have a choice. Like, is Dabo going to be the coach of this team? Where do you think he's going? The Fox set? Like, yeah, because I'll tell you, he ain't coaching Power Five football again if he gets fired from this job. Oh, he'll coach Power Five football again. Where? What school's going to? You're bro- telling me there's not a school desperate enough to take in Dabo Sweeney? I think you're really setting. You think Northwestern, if given the chance to hire Dabo Sweeney, wouldn't hire? Maybe North, but what school is going to accept his transfer bullshit and accept his NIL bullshit? Oh. Either Dabo's got to change, or they'll be on a Fox set. He'll he'll do the Mac Brown and go to a lower rung Power Five school but and like, bring him back. Look at Deion Sanders, where Deion comes in and he's embracing Embrace, NIL yes. and he's embrace. He brings fifty one players with him in the mm-hmm. transfer portal, and all of a sudden you beat TCU and everybody's talking about you. You're the story of college football. If you're a program like Northwestern, you want somebody like Deion who's going to bring his luggage and bring you forty players or just embrace the portal, embrace NIL, or you want Dabo. You think Northwestern cares enough? I don't know, but my point is, like, if you're a school trying to hire a coach, Dabo ain't the guy you're looking for 
where he's going to come in and you know automatically it's going to take four or five years because he won't bring in transfers because he's going to recruit, build from the bottom. Like maybe he just got generational quarterbacks and he had Jeff Scott running the offense and it all worked when it worked. And really, he's just a guy. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. I think there would be a lot of power five schools, maybe even You're some. You're calling would, me crazy. You're yes. saying I'm crazy. I'm anti-Dabo. And I'm not pro-Dabo either. But I think that you'd be crazy to think that there wouldn't be co- teams that would even probably fire their coach for a chance to go and get Dabo if he was made available this offseason. I think it depends. And I, again, I would go, I'd get Dabo if you're getting promises from Dabo that he's going to embrace the new things in college football. If he's going to keep being what he's been, I think he's just kind of an old school guy and the sports passed him by. Go coach in the NFL then. Go get a job there. Go be an analyst. And you know what? He could. Maybe, like, honestly, the NFL seems more likely to me than getting a really big major, like a major power five kick. Would Dabo Sweeney go to Northwestern? I don't know if he would. Right. Like, to me, the jobs that would take him aren't jobs he wants, and the jobs that he wants wouldn't take him because the sports passed him by. I actually feel like if, if Clemson hits the button, which do you think it's possible? I, think I don't. I think we're I think at a point where it's possible. possible. I don't think it'll happen. I think he gets one more spin at this at like, least. What are we on now? You're three of this. Well, uh, yeah, the Trevor two Lawrence. DJU years, mm-hmm. and now you get year three yeah, of this. So this is year three. If it's year three, like maybe you get the fourth year, but I think he's running out of steam at Clemson. We already heard the boosters hated him because when he got when when Venables and Jeff Scott left, he just Tony kept Elliott, his boys yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Or Tony Elliott. Yeah, yeah. When Venables and Tony Elliott left, he kept his guys around, and the defense fell apart, and the offense fell apart, and now you bring in Garrett Riley, but it's the same problems with the program because you don't take transfers. I, it's just the way that – listen, if you can't recruit at Clemson, you can't recruit. All right? That's the, way, that's the way I sort of see it there. And the other part – like. They don't have the studs on the outside like they used to. They don't yeah. have the studs in the – like, Will Shipley's nice. All right? Fine. But he's not what uh, Travis Etienne was for this team. Yeah. Like, they don't have the guys in the backfield. They don't have the guys on – and quite frankly, they don't have the guys in the trenches that they once had. Yeah, that's either. true. Like, it is just a program that has under-recruited itself over the last couple of years. Like, why isn't Riley Leonard playing for Clemson? Well, Riley Leonard was a three-star quarterback. Right, but Riley get, Leonard was getting no offers. But you get my point, and this again goes to transfers. Like other school, Riley Leonard would transfer way above a three star now. Mm-hmm. Like you, this goes into you could go out and get some of these guys. Part of my point with Clemson falling behind is if you're only relying on recruiting, you're behind the eight ball. Whether you're recruiting well or not, no, you're correct. Yep. Because mm-hmm. other teams are bringing in guys who are confirmed good in college. Like mm-hmm. Florida State brings in a transfer class. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of you then. Like Clemson, Dabo refusing to do that to me. You're not going to win anymore. It's always going to be this way. We'll see. I listen. I I do think a little bit too much is being put on Cade Club. Like there were a lot of drops in this game too. Klubnik got a lot of flack in this game. I Duke's a good team too. Like yeah, they, no, they're, they're a good. good team. They were in a home field. They clearly had a home field advantage there. I mean, by the way, one of my favorite things ever. There, there is no greater FOMO in sports than seeing a field storm like that. That like was when great. you see just the 
man. And the way that Duke set it up too. Did you see this? Two minutes to go in the game. The students are on the field already. Yeah. They're already jumping over. They just have to sort of stand behind this phantom line that security guards are kind of keeping an eye on. But these guys were on the field already, ready to just bleed through the second the horn sounds. How about seven minutes left in the game, and they've got their legs hanging over yes. the brick? <laughs> it's I'm awesome. like, this is amazing. They're ready to launch. That is a well. That is one of the best executed field stormings I think I've seen on the field with two minutes to go. Um, last thought on Dabo. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you doing, rocking a freshman kicker out that many times <laughs> when he can't hit? I, what are we doing? It's Matt Campbell at Iowa State all over again. Mm-hmm. If I had been on the Clemson side or the over, I would have been livid. My God. That many red zone trips, that many empty trips, the missed field goals, he, the blocked he, field goals. Yeah. He's asking the freshman kicker to bang it from 60 <laughs> at halftime. I'm like, what are we doing here? Get down to the five-yard line and you punt on a touchdown because you want to rock your freshman kicker wide left. I, I'm like this. This guy, he, he can't. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat last night. Yeah. All right. Let's go through some of the quarterbacks that were either in new places or kind of easing into a new role here. Um, we kind of hit on Cade Klubnick already. Uh, it was not good for Klubnick, and it, there's a lot of problems on Clemson. Yeah. Klubnick's one of them. I don't think he's problem number one, but there's there. He's certainly part of the problem there. Um, Kyle McCord. At Ohio State. That was a, a clunker of a debut. Got pulled at one point for Devin Brown. In, and what was listen, going on there? I think that had to have been planned in some capacity. Like there was probably it was just the one drive. Right. It was an, an, a weird situation. Like all of a sudden, here comes Devin Brown onto the field. Um, but Ohio State, like the scoreboard says they dominated. Didn't feel like they really dominated. Indiana was just a bad team. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Any other school, like any other like top eight school in the Big Ten, that's a game until the final possession. Yeah, I would say so. Even like a even mid- your stupid even team Michigan could probably State, have given them a, no, a little run there. Ohio State with an offense that looked like that, and it was in all facets. Like Marvin Harrison Jr., kind of absent. Julian Fleming, a couple really rough drops. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of Egbuka. Like the running game kind of still, Travion Henderson wasn't great. It just, again, kind of feels like a laggy running game. The quarterbacks might now not defense, be a problem. Indiana does have, they don't have a, a two win defense. No, it's, they, they actually have a solid defense. But it does. But Indi- that's never mattered in the past with Ohio State. Indiana having a solid defense. If you're Ohio State, you got to do better than 23 points. Yeah. Like you're Ohio State and Ryan Day, you're whatever. You've got to do better than 23 points. I'm legitimately a little concerned with the quarterback position now. And it's also not like a we're out and in control of this game. Let's just hide. I think Texas did a little bit of that. I'm sure we'll talk about them Mm -hmm. with Quinn Ewers. Let's just hide the playbook and not put stuff on film. This was a conference game. And it was reasonably hairy into the third quarter. I don't think Ohio State was hiding. Like, at a certain point, they had to break it out, and just stuff wasn't working. They looked out of sync. There were just big third downs where they felt like big preseason third downs almost. You want to see them go out and execute it, and it just looked sloppy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, again, it were early in the season here. You're going to have sloppy play whether you're – I mean, Florida State had it, and they were maybe the most dominant team of the weekend. 
you're gonna have sloppy play. Yeah, you just don't expect to see it for four quarters like th- what we saw. There were no flashes with Ohio State. Well, that's what's surprising. Like Michigan State looked horrible for a half, and then blew the doors off Central for a half. Mm-hmm. Michigan looked great in the first half and did nothing in the second half because they just didn't want to put stuff on film. Like Texas, kind of similar. New Rice had no chance, didn't show a lot. Mm-hmm. Ohio State for four quarters just looked bad. Yeah. It was it was strange. And like I was in on Kyle McCord early, and I might be out now because that was boy, that was a rough outing. Yeah. I would have I would really would have thought he would have been out there and, and just I'm not asking for you to put a 50 spot up on Indiana, yeah. but I, I would have expected like 35. Yeah. I mean, like you're 35 a, sweat free points. You're a 30 point favorite. You can't get to 30. That's that's not good. Like if they got to if they got to 35 and didn't cover the 30, whatever, when you're a 30 point favorite and you can't even get to 30. But it, we got to talk a little bit about the offensive struggles. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Georgia. Carson Beck going up against UT Martin, 294 yards, a touchdown, no picks, 21 for 31 on the day. I'm not going to take a lot away from UT yeah. Martin. Like it is what it is. He got pulled a little bit early as well. Like I'm waiting. I'm still in wait and see mode with Carson Beck, but obviously I don't think it was a step backwards. A little slower start than I expected. Now, again, Georgia's always a little sluggish early, but. I mean, 17 nothing into the third quarter. I'm like, Ooh. I thought we'd be a little faster against Tennessee Martin. Whatever. I'm not going to take a lot out of it. Frankly, we're not going to know anything about Georgia until December 8th or whatever day the conference title game is because they don't play anybody. Yeah. That's just, we'll find out what Carson Beck is when he plays LSU or Alabama or whoever. If you're an Alabama fan, this was a little bit of a, maybe a, a good surprise for you. 56 to 7 over Middle Tennessee State. Like Jalen Milrow looked good in this game. Yep. And I get you're playing MTS. Did he throw 18 passes? 18 passes, three touchdowns. Also uh, ran the ball for two touchdowns as well and almost 50 yards. Like he looked good in this game. You're not going to take a lot away from Middle Tennessee State, but you talk about some of the other quarterbacks that we're talking about in this segment here, too. Like he looked maybe the best of all of them. They're going to ask him to game manage, too. This is going to be a shotgun offense, handoff, run the ball. This is going to be running the ball through Jalen Milrow. He's, they're not going to ask him to do a lot. Like Things are going to look like that kind of often, 18 to 24 pass attempts. Yeah, he looked good. Better than Tyler Buckner would have looked. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, DJ Uyunglele, 42 to 17 victory over San Jose State. But DJU, five total touchdowns in the game, uh, three through the air, two on the ground, threw for almost 240 yards. Looked good. Like we, we kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, but he hasn't looked like this since his freshman year when he was backing up Trevor Lawrence and was thrown into duty when Lawrence had COVID for a couple games. Yep. Like that was this iteration of DJU. Yeah. And I think DJU won twice on he really did on uh, week one because he looked he looked great and Clemson and Kig Klubnik looked terrible. Um, that's where I start to wonder if it's the program, not the quarterback. I'm super happy for DJU and Oregon State. If that's the kind of quarterback he's going to be, absolute threat in the Pac-12. I think better than USC. Yeah, like, maybe. Like if he's going to be that level of quarterback, 
We talked about this when we did mm-hmm. our Pac-12 preview. Yeah. How good does DJU need to be? Where does he have to rank in the Pac-12 quarterback-wise? Right now, he looks like probably the third-best quarterback, maybe second-best quarterback in the conference. Michael Penix looked damn good, too, on yeah, Saturday. If, but yeah, If we're at that caliber, Oregon State's defense is really good. I'm Yeah, I could see better than USC. Yeah. I'm with you there. But yeah, DJ, you put on one of the best shows of the weekend from the quarterback position. Um, good for him to get a fresh start there. Drew Aller at Penn State. Uh, Penn State goes out, not only wins, but covers as well. What ass? <laughs> Can we wait? Let's hold get on. into that. Three asshole coaches of the week. All right. I've got him. I've got uh, James Franklin. I've got Bob Stoops. And um, I'm I'm forgetting one, but uh, we'll we'll just start with. Well, Mike Norvell was an asshole at the end. Florida State LSU. He did not need to score, but he scored because he respects the over. But no, James Franklin, all time asshole moment, which was good for me. I had Penn State to cover the game. Terrible for me because I'm that was the last leg of a seventeen to one parlay for me. What but, was it? Eight seconds left. Something like that. And they're like up six, eight seconds. Yeah. They're up 14 and they score the touchdown. Also, uh, I was watching a SVP last night, but that was also for the total as well. Put the total over for the wow, game. Wow. Bad so, beat of the night, huh? It was a twofer right there. Uh, but they were saying part of the reason why, or at least they were speculating on SVP last night, him and Stanford Steve were saying they, uh, the well, West Virginia for their two point play ran the Chiefs ring around the rosy play. I rem- yeah, the Arctic Circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and they said, oh, well, maybe that just pissed off Penn State. And they're like, all right, we're going to run this train down the other end and, and put six down your throat like that. Like that to me was, oh, it, we're, I think we saw a lot of teams try to go for some style points. Oh, yeah. Florida State weekend. did for sure. Kentucky, did, which is strange mm-hmm. if you're Kentucky, but Kentucky <laughs> did. Yeah, um, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think Penn State for sure. Like. This is a team, don't forget, Penn State thinks they can win the Big Ten and contend for a national title. They probably also are aware they're going to have to be ranked high enough to get in. Mm -hmm. They'll go for style points on a a Power 5 team in Week 1. Yeah. What would you think of Aller? Because I thought first half, now he had had the one play in the first half. The touchdown? Yeah. Oh, Oh, my God. That was Josh Allen right there. That was beautiful. I was was all in. See the pressure take a, a little bit of a hit and then power through it and through a seed yeah. for what was it? 70 yards for the touchdown. Like that was, Oh boy. Like that was, that was pro level stuff. That right one there. had me going. That was like top five NFL quarterback. You could see it. In yep. There. But then he vanished mm-hmm. for the rest of that half. And then again, the numbers still look good. Yeah. 25, three touchdowns, no pick. And in the second half, it felt like Penn state really took control of the game. And especially at the end in that final drive, asshole moment again it was like no we actually can just beat your ass if we want to so i liked what i saw from aller um and i'll tell you with what mccord looked like and what devin brown looked like in very limited exposure i like penn state better than ohio state today i think uh i'll i'll wait to see it a little bit more but uh, quarterback position no doubt yeah no doubt and penn state penn state the defense Granted, the yes. a couple touchdowns, the defense is fantastic. The defense was great. Um, I like the defense a little more than than what I like Ohio State's. I still think Ohio State has the advantage with the weapons, yeah. and that can sometimes elevate the quarterback. But we'll we'll see. I think it's going to be a fascinating race. I do think, but after this this first week here, who the best team in the Big Ten is? It's certainly Michigan. JJ McCarthy was. Did phenomenal. What he, did what he was asked to do. Yeah, like, and knowing and especially the circumstances 
of every like you don't have your head coach there yep. which say what you want you knew it was going to happen whatever like still a tough battle and I, I think it's odd that you're going to cycle coaches these first three weeks i get what harbaugh's doing like he's trying to help his guys out give them a little experience being a head coach yep. i respect that but for a team that has national title aspirations, a little funky to me. Well, when you play Bowling Green and Orchard Lake High School, <laughs> I think you can get away with it. Um, the one thing I'll say about JJ, everybody was very quick to crown this as some incredible performance. One, you're playing East Carolina. Two, you're not asking him to throw deep often at all. He had one terrific throw on a corner route to, I think, Roman Wilson in the end zone. That was just awesome if you watch this game it was on peacock you may not have uh the majority though was like just kind of easy open short passes when he did throw deep he still overthrew and he still got stuck with the all-time bugaboo of jj mccarthy fumbling on the fucking goal line Mm -hmm. yep so if they can figure that out they'll be great they'll probably win the big 10 again but the J.J. McCarthy fumble on the one-inch line, I will never understand how the, it just continues to happen. Thank you. I was holding minus 36. Missed field goal and J.J. McCarthy butterfingers. Yep. Appreciate it. Um, real quick, uh, a couple more I want to speed through here. Quinn Ewers and Texas. Uh, I mean, dominate Rice, but it, it's another one of those games that kind of put him in like the car. And we've seen a, more Quinn Ewers than we've seen a, of guys like Carson Beck. Right. I put him in like the the Carson Beck holding pattern right now. Of I'm not going to make a, a sweeping judgment on where you're standing among the elite quarterbacks in the con in the country. We're going to get the answer when they go to Tuscaloosa on Saturday. You, yep. I I am 100 percent convinced that they down pared the playbook down as much as possible. We're showing as little as possible on film. They weren't worried about beating Rice. They just had to do enough. Uh, we will find out when they go to Tuscaloosa. Interesting one that I want to get your thoughts on here because this is a team that you and I were both pretty high on because of the change that was taking place in the offseason. Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin. Badgers win 38-17, but Mordecai did not look great. Threw two picks, had a touchdown, but it 38 points for Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin fans are jumping for joy right. over 38 points, but it felt like a sluggish 38 points. Yeah. Like that game just kind of dragged you knew you were going to win that entire time if you're Wisconsin, but I don't know. I feel like if I'm a Wisconsin fan, I'm coming out of that game a little a little sheepish about my team. I'll admit I didn't watch this game live. I haven't gone back to watch all of it yet. I plan on it because I'm so high on Wisconsin, and I think that they could win the Big Ten. Um, my question would be how much of this has to do with a new offense, the fickle system, overhauling a, a offensive line that was scouted to run a pro-style offense mm-hmm. under center quarterback, now pivoting to a shotgun spread-style zone blocking scheme. Like, how much of the slow start for Mordecai can be attributed to an offensive line that really doesn't know what they're doing? Like, this was always going to be an issue, and it never struck me as being significant because the first six weeks of the season, they play nobody. By the time they play Iowa, I hope they'll have this stuff figured out. So I'm not going to read too much into a bad start for Mordecai. Now I'll watch the game, and I'll confirm how much of this is on some of those other parts. But I always thought early the identity crisis might yeah. get to well, them least, in the offense. Here's the thing with Wisconsin, why I still think they have a, a high floor 
is because the running game's there. Yep. Like in this game, it'll had, always be there. You had two guys go for a buck 40 plus and two touchdowns. Like the running game is going to be there. So you can lean on that and it's going to play in the Big Ten. Yep. But if you want to talk about being a team that can contend for a Big Ten title, like there, there's still some some work to do on that front. Yeah, and that's where I just want to go back and watch. Like, how much was Mordecai pressured? This is an offensive line doesn't know what they're doing in pass protection. It's a totally different scheme. How many? Like, he didn't throw picks when he was at SMU. How much of that was off of him being pressured or being out of sync? Whatever. So I'll go back and watch. And if it was just Mordecai was bad, then I'll have significantly more concern than I do right now. All right. Any other things you want to get to from the weekend of college football? I've kind of run through all the new quarterbacks there in terms of like the the guys who like the old guards. Like Caleb Williams looked fantastic. Michael Penix Jr. looked fantastic. Drake May, a little rocky with the interceptions, but that was a dominant win over South Carolina. Yeah, I think we've hit on most everything. Um, the Duke deal, boy, they could they could be legit in the ACC, man. Like as much as I but think Clemson detonated. What does legit in the ACC even mean? Like outside you, of Florida State, like you get the rights to you're have going to Florida Charlotte, State like, take your head off. Yeah, yeah, like it's the old Clemson treatment. Like that's it, what it is. It's yeah. It's it's you get the rights to have Florida State kill you. If you, I will say this: if you're Duke, and you can be better than UNC, that is a double victory for you this year. Um, the other thing, the Pac-12 send-off is going to be beautiful. <laughs> oh my God! You talk about like they are really putting the champions in conference of champions this year. USC, Oregon State, Oregon, Utah, uh Washington, straight up all awesome teams. Yeah. A lot like of this fun. is going to be a blast mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Going to be fantastic. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast edition. We will be back with you on Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 1000. Don't forget to check us out at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. We'll be drinking deep, Eddie, watching college football with you from 1.30 to 3.30, the rare Shane Norling appearance I, in public. I will be drinking deep, Eddie. So uh, come out, hang out with us at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. We will talk to you on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. And cannot wait to, to hang out with all of you guys at O'Sullivan's. By the way, this episode brought to you by Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you on Saturday.